Welcome to Dare to Dwell, a podcast with the Daughters of St. Paul. We're so glad you're here. This season, we are gathering around the mics to share about the love of God poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You can find out more about our work on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, welcome to Dare to Dwell, a podcast with the Daughters of St. Paul. I'm Sister Oriane Pietra Renee. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. And today, Sister Benedicta and I are going to be breaking down two chapters at once. Yep. You will notice that the titles sound very familiar. Um, chapter 12, The Holy Spirit Possesses Us from the Sanctifier. And Chapter 13, We Possess the Holy Spirit from the Sanctifier. And just a reminder, you do not need a copy of the book no. to be able to follow along. But if you have one, you know where to go. Yep. Sister Benedicta, I feel like for the last however many episodes we've recorded, mm-hmm. every single time we're talking about the Holy Spirit possessing us, what that actually means, us possessing the Holy Spirit, what that actually means. So, What is mutual possession? What is mutual possession? Why is it a good thing and not a creepy thing? All those kinds of things. So when I first saw these chapter titles, I was like, oh, this is just going to be a summary. Mm-hmm. But when I read them, I was like, wow, this is actually like the hardest part. Yeah. It's the most intense, the most challenging, like for I us as readers. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So buckle up, guys. The roller coaster of the Holy Spirit is about to begin. <laughs> I don't know if you ever had this problem, but I was always, I was always short. I was never not short. And I was never as tall as my friends. So I was always like the, I had to wait till I was older oh, than no. all of my friends to go on roller coasters. <laughs> and then even then when you're small, like. Sometimes you slip out of the buckle. Oh, no. But that won't happen with the Holy Spirit. No, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Not unless we undo it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. So at the very beginning of chapter 12, the Holy Spirit possesses us. Martinez kind of of reminds us what we've been talking about for the last few episodes. Um, If you followed the entire season, you already know that we've kind of clarified what he means by possession, mutual possession, et cetera, et cetera. And one of, okay, at the very beginning of this chapter, Martinez reminds us that love as a reflection of God as his own image is something that encloses within its simplicity a boundless wealth and a variety of forms. So within the one simple reality of what God's love is, we see kind of like all the forms of human love encapsulated in one, right? And he says, human love in all its manifestations is admirably in harmony with the love of charity. So that theological virtue we were talking about in the last episode. It is confident in filial love, trusting in friendship, sweet and fruitful in the love of husband and wife, disinterested and tender in the love of a mother. Disinterested means like not interested in self, not that they're not interested in you. Our love of God must include all these forms of human love. Every fiber of our heart must vibrate when the harmonies and full canticle of love bursts forth from it. Super intense. But since God is one in essence and triune in persons, one in three, our love for him takes on a particular aspect accordingly as it is directed to each one of the divine persons. That's a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, that was that was just one paragraph. Yeah. 
Yeah, I especially have bracketed that phrase, our love of God must include all these forms of human love. All of them. Yeah. Must. Must. Must and shall. Yeah. Because God helps us get there. Yeah. Okay. I think this is super challenging. It's, yeah. (laughs) Because, well, I mean, you probably already know five or six reasons of why it could be challenging. Uh, uh, No. It's just kind of like, (laughs) it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a challenge. It's a huge challenge because I think for us, we are very used to compartmentalizing Mm -hmm. how we love who. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, for example, I'm going to use two totally opposite extremes. I can love a teacher. Mm -hmm. How I love a teacher, in a sense, is going to be much more detached Mm -hmm. than how I love a twin. (laughs) Sure. Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. How I love a teacher is going to be really marked by admiration, mm-hmm. by a willingness to learn, by by an excitement to learn from what they hold, um, a desire to to emulate. How I love a twin. I don't have a twin. <laughs> Just disclaimer. <laughs> Do you have an imaginary twin as a kid? No, uh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only girl. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So, but how I love a twin, like when you see twins in action, man, they are absolutely not the same person, Mm -hmm. even if they look identical. Mm -hmm. But you really see an innate loyalty that just cuts through absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. And and a likeness often that will supersede a lot of other factors. Like when they do when they do crazy studies where they've discovered that uh, identical twins had been separated at birth. They did not separate them on purpose, hopefully. And, you know, the twin that was adopted by a couple in France ends up having all the exact same physical mannerisms and Mm -hmm. preferences of color palettes as a twin that was adopted in the USA. Two totally different cultures, totally different aesthetics, totally different ways of expressing yourself, totally different families. And yet they have these innate similarities that when they meet each other for the first time as adults or teenagers, it's like they've known each other their whole lives, even if they don't actually speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Because they do, and it's built into them. And so they're able to have this freedom of love that supersedes their language barrier. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that love is very different than how I love a teacher. Right. And the other thing, too, is like when you love a teacher, there is kind of an expected transitoriness to the relationship. Yeah. Like they are your teacher for this time Mm -hmm. and maybe you'll stay in touch, but the relationship will be different. Naturally. And maybe you won't stay in touch. And that's not like heartrending because it was kind of expected. It's normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and when we love somebody that we're very close to and we have like this kind of intensity that you're talking about, this intense loyalty, Mm -hmm. the end of that kind of a relationship or the fizzling of it can be traumatic. Right. There's all these different levels and kinds and ways. But there are the descriptor of the actual love mm-hmm. itself can always be applied back to God if it really is love. Yes. Mm-hmm. The love itself. Yeah. And and that is that is going to take a different form or we're going to understand it differently at different parts of our life. Right. Mm-hmm. As we grow in spiritual maturity or even as we heal from wounds, mm-hmm. that will be very different. If if I come from a family where I understand what the love of a father means. Or if I come from a family where I understand what filial love looks like or, you know, what it means to love a brother, a sister, what it means to fall in love, what it means to get married, what it means to have a deep friendship that really 
permeates a lot of difficulties. If I haven't had one of those experiences, it doesn't mean that I won't learn to love God that way. Mm -hmm. But it does mean that I may have difficulty either understanding it that way or that it's going to take me a little bit longer Yeah, to get there. And that's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it may take a little bit longer. It also may take a different path. Right. Where for some people it might feel almost... Um, Innate, almost mm -hmm. immediate. Yes, the father, love him, got right. it. Right, yeah. For other people, it may be a little bit more of like a winding journey. Mm -hmm. And for the same person, it could be that, yes, Holy Spirit, charismatic prayer, love mm -hmm. it, on it. Yep, super Pentecostal, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> and for somebody else, it might be like, wow, I'm really reserved and those things make me super nervous and anxious. Right. And I don't know if I like this Holy Spirit thing, mm -hmm. you know, not that super loud charismatic prayer has to be part of our love of the Holy Spirit, but it's one possible, but expression it is one way it. that it is expressed. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what he says in the next paragraph, which is um, our love for the father is tender and confident like that of children eager to glorify him. Love for the father is the intense desire to have his will fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven. Our love for the son who willed to become flesh for us is characterized by the tendency to union with him and transformation into him. By imitation of his example, participation in his life, and the sharing of his sufferings in his cross, the Eucharist, mystery of love, of sorrow, and of union, reveals the characteristics of this love. Finally, he says, love for the Holy Spirit also has its special character, which we should study in order to completely understand devotion to him. And that's what the rest of the chapter is kind of about, <laughs> right? Right. But he basically says, surely then our love for the Holy Spirit should be marked by loving docility, full surrender, constant fidelity that permits us to be moved, directed, and transformed by his sanctifying action. Okay. So remember like that favorite quote that I have that I've quoted probably four times already on this season of the podcast where it says like, um, to enjoy the Father is this, to enjoy the Son is that, and to enjoy the Spirit is this, right? Yes. Like the different kinds of enjoyment of God. Mm -hmm. I love this because it dovetails so beautifully with it. Love for the Father is divine, is intense desire to have his will fulfilled. Love for the Son is the intense desire to become him, mm -hmm. to be transformed into him so as to glorify the Father. And love for the Spirit is marked by docility and surrender, which does what? Allows him to make us into Jesus to glorify the Father. Mm -hmm. So it's like the enjoyment and the love are actually basically the same thing. Right. They're all inseparable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I like that he draws out because it is really important to be able to talk about them as one as much as it's important to be able to talk about the uniqueness of how either we experience or express love to the three divine persons, one God, right? Mm -hmm. I remember once I was speaking with a man. I was a teenager at the time. This was like an educator. And he spoke with so much love and passion and loyalty of Jesus as his brother, mm. like a big brother. Mm -hmm. And Jesus himself does use that metaphor. Mm -hmm. And well, it's not exactly a metaphor, <laughs> but but it was really beautiful because that meant so much to him. And you could tell that whether or not he had that relationship with his own biological brothers, I, I suspect he did. That brotherhood involved familial tie, friendship tie, like mm -hmm. more than just on a piece of paper for the governmental file, like brother of so-and-so, mm -hmm. right? Or our DNA is very, very similar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we have the same quirks and that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I could tell how nuanced that was for him. 
And that for him, that really meant everything. Mm -hmm. And that was so beautiful. And I don't know whether or not he would have the same comfort to describe Jesus as bridegroom. Mm -hmm. Even though it would be equally true for him, mm -hmm. either it's just not the terminology he gravitates towards, which is totally fine. We will all have the kind that speaks most to our hearts. Or he was at a place where this wasn't quite a comfortable place to go because God was still deepening mm -hmm. that awareness first to help him lay whatever foundation needed to be you know, put down in him. So whatever our entry point is, that is something to celebrate, but it won't go stagnant there. So I think it's really important for us to recognize that, yes, maybe we have one particular way of relating especially to God, but never shortchange yourself mm -hmm. to think that that is where it will end. No, in fact, if you think you've gotten to the end of it, you're in for a surprise. <laughs> surprise. Yeah. And probably pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> especially if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> he likes to break down those um, distorted ways of thinking pretty yeah. quickly. There's a there's a huge focus um, that Martinez has immediately after kind of breaking open all those different types of love, transformation, all those kinds of things, where he talks about the importance of hearing the voice mm. of God, mm -hmm. right? And he talks about how delicate <laughs> is the word he uses yeah, and gentle the spirit is. And it's funny because not long before this, we were talking about how like, Love gives life and love kills in order to give life. He was using a much more violent type of language. Yeah. Completely appropriately because we sure. saw what he meant by it, right? But here, he's reminding us that even within the context of those things, the voice of the Spirit is gentle. That doesn't mean it's not firm at times, right? But it's gentle. His movement is very delicate. And he says, to perceive them, the soul needs silence and peace. But it is not enough to hear. The divine language must be understood. Mm. In, in that ancient prayer, the Shema, that the, the Jewish people still pray every day, the word Shema, we translate in our English Bibles either as oh hear or sometimes listen. But really it means both, the way that we, our, our language divides the two. Mm -hmm. But, but for, for ancient Hebrew, Shema is you heard the word. You listened like you heard it with attentiveness. You processed it mm. and you live out of it. Otherwise, you didn't hear it. It doesn't count as Shema, right? Mm. Generally, what would happen when you pray the Shema, especially as you know, a Jewish person praying, is that they would cover their eyes with their right hand, like kind of like focus on hearing, right? And they say, Hear, O Israel, Shema Yisrael, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And the prayer goes on if you want to read mm -hmm. the whole prayer. But that is the line that especially, mm -hmm. you know, is that that hearkening to to the Lord's presence. And I love um, one of the sisters that gave us a, a class on uh, lit lit liturgical theology in our novitiate. One of the things that she said was, um, it's interesting because we have many things that we say multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. But in the prayer of the church, uh, if you pray the liturgy of the hours and you go to mass, the thing that you say three times a day, no matter what, mm -hmm. is the Lord's prayer. Yes. Is the Our Father. Mm -hmm. So she was pointing to that that was like almost the Christian replacement mm. of of the Shema and and that it was like kind of the same, the Lord, the, the prayer that Jesus taught us really teaches us kind of the same thing, but deepens it. 
Right. Like flushed out mm-hmm. in practicality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which I thought was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard. This is where things get hard, I think, because first of all- <laughs> We're two pages into these two chapters. I know. And this is where it's getting hard. This is, okay. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's like, A- Great. Mm-hmm. I, I need silence and peace to hear. How do I obtain silence? How do I obtain peace? Mm-hmm. If I hear the voice, how do I know it's God's? Mm-hmm. If I hear the voice, how do I know I'm understanding the language properly? Mm-hmm. You know? And these, by the way, are the questions that we get DM'd on a very regular basis. All the time. All the time. How do I know it's God and not me? Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. questions we ourselves have asked. Yeah, sure. And there will still be moments where sometimes we do ask ourselves the same questions now. Mm-hmm. It's it's normal if that's any consolation to you listening. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, so Martinez offers a little bit of help. <laughs> kind <He's>, of. <laughs> he says, we should struggle against all disturbances, all distracting noises. We must bravely detach ourselves from all creatures. We're going to break that down. I know it sounds scary. From every affection. Little by little, love will have power over our heart and spread its deep influence through all our faculties. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe can okay, we Okay, so this? be detached from everything. Yeah, Just yeah. go live in a hole <laughs> and get the world's strongest earplugs. That's what I just heard. <laughs> okay, let's break this down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first of all, struggling against all disturbances and all distracting noises. Okay, there's, there's a spiritual element to this and there's a physical element to this. So- yes. Struggling against all disturbances, often we we kind of mistake that for meaning, oh, shoot, I'm thinking about pizza again. Uh, 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 focus. <laughs> you know what's happened to you guys. You know what Pineapple has. or no pineapple? <laughs> I feel like whichever side I pick, we're going to we're gonna get hate mail from that answer. <laughs> but like, <laughs> people have strong opinions on that question. You don't want hate mail? No. <laughs> okay. I respect whatever type of pizza you guys eat, okay? <laughs> but I think it's really important here to recognize that when we struggle against disturbances, things that disturb the water of our souls, so to speak, or distracting noises spiritually, yes, sometimes that does mean we make a, we make a physical effort to refocus our minds. That, that will take discipline, that takes practice. But in order to do that, a, we need to become aware of the fact that we're distracted. Mm-hmm. And then B, we have to ask the Lord to help us focus on what he needs us to focus on. Again, like that awareness to ask, to bring that to God, to say the words, I'm distracted. I'm thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Is this the thing you need to be me to be praying about or do I need to focus? Mm-hmm. Oh, focus? Okay, help me, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Or focus on what? Right, focus like, on what? that's the thing, right? Like, is this the thing you want me to focus on with you, Lord? And right. if not, what is the thing you want me to focus on with you? Right. Because is it the word on the Bible on my lap that mm-hmm. I opened up to? Or is it, you know, like what else? What is it? Yeah. Right. And actually, that's a really good point, Sister Benedicta, because when we are in prayer, sometimes, especially at the beginning, but really at any time, we might need an anchor mm-hmm. to our prayer and the word of God. Like, there's not much of a better anchor than that. Yeah. Like, so to have something to go back to, to read over, to help anchor yourself back in focus, to give the Lord an opportunity to speak to you from, that that's a really beautiful thing to help refocus mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes those distractions are like, oh, I'm thinking of pizza. Oh, yeah, I always have that same pizza guy who delivers. You know, actually, I've been thinking about him a lot re- recently. That's kind of odd. I don't even know the guy. Maybe he needs prayers. Hey, Jesus, mm-hmm. what's going on in Chris's life right now? Mm-hmm. Can you be with him? Right. So we've got that reality. Mm-hmm. Here's the part where the language can be very put offish. It puts me off for sure. And this is one of my favorite books. Oh, yeah. And it puts me off. Yeah. We must bravely detach ourselves from all creatures. And just to say, if you're if you're like, does that mean my puppy? I mean, it can. But really, he's talking about people mm-hmm. from every affection. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to stop it there. What does he mean by that? Because it's not what it sounds like. Yeah. So Sister Lorraine, who was the editor on this mm-hmm. book, actually put an asterisk here. Yes. A little editor's note. Wisely. And she, who, she's the one who, like, if you want to know what did Thomas Aquinas say about a thing, <laughs> she knows. you could just, like, stop her in the hallway and be like, hey, what did Thomas Aquinas say about this thing? Yeah, you don't need the sumo. And she's she a would walking say, <laughs> And she would say, oh, well, if you look in the second part of the, and, and she will tell you exactly where to go look. Mm-hmm. And she will probably be able to give you a summary of it as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she was the editor on this book. And she put a little note here. Just that this can be taken to mean disordered affections are the things that we're detaching ourselves from. Disordered affections that would draw us away from God, not authentic human loves, which in fact draw us closer to God. And which we are called to specifically. Right. And she points to as well in this in this note, um, Pope John Paul II in his Theology of the Body has stressed the importance of human love, especially in marriage, as a way of holiness, which is actually part of what our last conversation about on the on the um theological virtues right touched on right yeah i think also a way that kind of helped me understand the principle of detachment um ignatius of loyola talks about it a lot is we often attach our identity to things Mm -hmm. and this is again going back to that disordered kind of love that sister lorraine is talking about we attach our identity to things we pitch our all Onto loves that should not and cannot actually hold who we are. Yeah. So when we put too much stock, the improper stock, in the wrong kind of love, in people who are very near and dear to us and always should be, but are not the source of our identity, and in fact, we love them in a poor, lesser way if we make them so, Yeah. then that is what we need to detach from because we can't love them or feel the right type or the deepest type of affection for them that they deserve or that we deserve the experience of if we are settling for that lesser, in a way, twisted thing. And when I say twisted, I'm not talking about like psychopath twisted or so, like, I mean twisted as in we're not doing it right. We Mm -hmm. we turned it around. Like Augustine talks about being turned into ourselves, like turned over, like doubled over so that we're looking at ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and if like in two weeks ago on the episode um, again about the theological virtues, we talked about charity and defined it as love of God for His own sake mm-hmm. and love of neighbor and of self for God's sake. Right, right. The only one who can be loved for His own sake is God. Mm-hmm. Everything else is loved. In the light of God or for God's sake or because of the good that it is that reflects God, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of all of it, all of that love 
points back to its source, which is God. And if it doesn't, then there might be something in it that's not authentic. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that if my love for this significant other in my life has an element of it that seems to be kind of out of whack, that all of it is unauthentic. Oh, absolutely. Or all of it is to be thrown out. Right. It's it's to try to dial in and figure out, like, where is it going off track? And how could it be more for God's sake and therefore become more real and and actually become then deeper and probably more intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from there. <laughs> <laughs> There's more. There's so much more. This is hard. I know. So as we're talking about detachment and um, that that really is towards a freedom, right? A freedom to love, a, a freedom to love more deeply. Mm-hmm. Within that bound of freedom He's also talking about, again, understanding that divine language and hearing it in the silence. So he has a very interesting quote here, and it says, The sensual man, or woman, (laughs) does not perceive the things that are of the Spirit of God, for it is foolishness to him. So like he would see it as foolish. And he cannot understand because it is examined spiritually. But the spiritual man judges all things. And he himself is judged by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Who's he quoting there? Sounds like a weirdo. <laughs> I don't know. It might, might be our spiritual pops there. It might oh. be St. Paul. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. First mm. Corinthians. Mm. Um, but I think this is a really important point for us to examine because this is such a common pitfall for humans. Yeah. And it has been since the beginning, right? I think when we hear the word sensual, often the first thing we think of in our culture and the way we use that language is something sexual. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Basically, the sensual man here is is representing any and all of us who put stock in reality of things that are only physical. So that can lead to a lot of distortions Mm -hmm. and a misvaluing or a devaluing idolization or devaluing or degrading of physical things, but it has huge spiritual consequences because if we are only ever looking at the physical as what counts and what matters and what is love or is important, whenever something spiritual does happen, it doesn't actually mean that we don't notice that it happened, Mm -hmm. but it means we're going to rationalize it away. And Sometimes it's impossible to rationalize it away. And so our response is, that was weird. (laughs) Yeah. I have done that in my life. (laughs) For sure. Just to say. Mm -hmm. And I remember, this is kind of a a little bit more of an extreme example, but I remember once when I was in high school, we had to listen (laughs) to this Christian speaker because of our religion teacher. And... (laughs) Darn religion. It was <laughs> I'm really glad the teacher made us listen to this talk, but at the time I just didn't want to be <laughs> there, you know? And I'm but I'm glad that I was half paying attention because he said something that he was sharing from his own experience and his own personal struggle, but I think it actually applies to many different types of struggles. Mm. He was speaking specifically of his own past struggle with pornography. And he was saying that. At the time, like cell phones weren't as, weren't as big of a thing when he was a teenager when he got addicted. But he was saying that he was getting to the point of his addiction where even when he drove down the highway, there were certain billboards that would trigger him. Mm. And 
because of the way that the women were portrayed on the billboards. Sure. And he was absolutely at his wit's end, and he he wanted to break his addiction. He was at a point where he recognized that he was degrading other people and also injuring himself, mm-hmm. and that it was actually lessening his ability to deepen his own relationships in his real life, yeah, including with God. Yeah. He said that when he would go to prayer, it would pop into his mind. He couldn't pray. Like all of these things were happening. He really was in the in the throes of an addiction. And I don't know what inspired him to do why well, it was the Holy Spirit inspired him to do this. Mm-hmm. But he realized that when he was driving down the highway and he would see whatever image on the billboard was triggering him, he started to pray for the lady whose photograph had been taken. He the mm-hmm. first thing he he was able to recognize was actually that's a real person and she has a name. And I don't know what it is, but God does. Mm-hmm. So he started praying for her. And he said, I realized eventually that even though it was hard at first, because obviously you're fighting your natural chemical response, it was hard to go all into that chemical response when I was praying for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. not only was Jesus helping him to break his own addiction, not only was the Holy Spirit prompting him through this difficult experience of, of finding healing for himself. But the Holy Spirit, in the midst of his addiction and distraction and disturbance and lack of peace and lack of freedom, snuck himself into a little crack and was like, I'm going to start teaching you silence. I'm going to start teaching you listening. I'm going to start Mm. teaching you how to recognize my voice. And we're going to start by helping you recognize me in the person who you've stripped of all humanity. Yeah. And that is how he started his journey breaking his addiction that's beautiful it's so beautiful it's really moving yeah yeah i actually can't remember which speaker it was <laughs> <laughs> i just remember being really impressed yeah by that story yeah i love that because um later on in the chapter uh martinez says pure and loving souls have the secret of discovering jesus in whatever way he shows himself to them for the clean of heart see god and love penetrates all veils mm-hmm. and like Wow. I mean, that's a beatitude. Like, we all recognize that from the Sermon on the Mount, right? Yeah, the clean of the pure of heart see, will see God. Yeah. And for me, I have found in the past that this is kind of, it can be an examination of conscience. Yeah. There are, St. Ignatius talks about, there are several different reasons why we might have desolation in prayer. Right. Why we might have the felt absence of God mm-hmm. in prayer. But one of them is sin. Right. <laughs> and so sometimes when we don't feel God, it's because we have separated ourselves from him. We mm-hmm. have turned around and we have walked away. So thinking about that in like the positive sense, right? when we are able to find our way closer to God, it also means that purity is happening, mm-hmm. right? So it's not, we're not saying, we're not trying to be like Pelagian or something and say like we we earn our way toward God by, no, absolutely by you know, keeping away from sin and and um, and only doing good things and whatever like that's that's not it. We can only do those things because of grace, right? But it does help us to kind of like take our temperature spiritually, mm-hmm. and that's that's really what it's intended for. That is why desolation doesn't only come from the evil one; it also can come from God, and it can be His way of saying, "Hey, there's a symptom here. There's right. a symptom of an illness, and it hurts that you don't feel me." Mm-hmm. But I want it to hurt a little bit because it's helping you to know that there's something wrong. Well, because if you don't notice from anything else, yeah, 
He'll make sure that you do notice because he wants you to be healed. Yeah. Right. And the other thing I love about your example is Martina says, purity considered negatively is withdrawal from earthly things. Mm -hmm. That's what we normally think of when we think of purity, like getting rid of all the earthy (laughs) stuff, right? Yeah. While under its positive aspect, it is deification. And Mm -hmm. love deifies by uniting the soul of God. Okay. In the negative sense, it is getting rid of stuff. Mm -hmm. But in the positive sense, it is becoming more like God. Yeah. Which makes perfect perfect sense because does God contain all of these other things that are contrary to purity? No, of course not. So so it's it's the same journey. It's just like what angle are we looking at it from? Mm -hmm. And I think we can definitely fall into the temptation when we hear things like blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. And we can be like, shoot, that's not me. Because the reality is, uh huh, like that's for her over there. Right. She must see God all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So that's also an important point because I think it's a lot easier to see the purity in other people and also not to see the impurities, right? When we fall into self comparison, it can be harder to see where God has already purified our hearts because just to put it out there, guys, we don't purify our own hearts. No, no. None of us have pure hearts on our own. God needs to purify them and that he is very happy to sit there and keep scrubbing, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. We're not even actually good at knowing which parts need to be purified. No, we really don't. (laughs) He does. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really important to recognize that that is something that we seek from the Lord. That's something that he longs to give to us Mm -hmm. because he wants us to see him, right? He wants to be seen just as we long to be seen. That is is a longing in us that reflects the longing of God. And the fact that Jesus came as man, that he was made incarnate, and he lived out this love in, in a tangible manner, when we're talking about getting rid of earthly things, we're not, we don't mean like the reality of physical existence. That's good. Yeah. God made it. Yeah. We're talking about things that, are again going back to that detachment thing disordered things that are put on earthly things that don't belong there that kind of thing mm-hmm. but in reality anything we experience spiritually should get to the point where it is somehow physically lived out and expressed because we are one we are body and soul that's what makes us human so why we're not angels it's also why we're not dead and likewise the physical reality informs our spiritual reality what we do with our bodies what we input through our bodies affects us spiritually Mm -hmm. we are connected and it is a mutual connection so our choices of what to do with our bodies physically naturally impact our souls yeah he has this like moment where he just kind of he does this every once in a while and i just i kind of love it it's a it's something about him that i enjoy he just will like be writing about something and then all of a sudden there will be like this exclamation yes ex- yeah. <laughs> exclamation of of like passion about cool? the thing yeah, yeah basically yeah. that's what he's doing where he's like he's talking about all of these things he's talking about what it is to love god and he's talking about what it is to see god and how what what purity does to the soul and the and the sweetness of the silence and abandonment and whatever and then all of a sudden he says oh mystery of love which we cannot explain but which the heart understands yeah and i think that's a big part of it is like you pray for it, you ask for it, you make room for it, mm-hmm. and then God gives it to you and you get it. Right. 
It's not like you learn your way into it or like you take a class and then you leave knowing it. (laughs) You get a certificate in prayer and like. That would be a lot easier. (laughs) But much less full. I've tried looking. There are no programs. (laughs) I love to that point, Sister Benedicta, I really love he when he looks at the Gospel of John and is talking about um, Jesus' appearance to the disciples on the Sea of Tiberias Mm post-resurrection and nobody recognizes him except (laughs) for John. Yeah. I think that is such an important way of fleshing out that principle because all of the people on that boat loved him. Yes. Every single one. Only one of them was in a position spiritually to say, I don't care if I die. I'm following you to the cross. Mm -hmm. Everyone else freaked out and ran away. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they didn't love him, but they weren't at the same maturity. And he points out that it was that disciple, that one who had stayed, who recognized him. And he does not say this, but I I know you guys probably have guessed that I really love St. Peter. It's part of the reason I took the name Pietra at profession, both because of him and St. Rafka. And I love how Peter is just like, oh my gosh, and just (laughs) throws himself into the water because this is what we do for Mm -hmm. one another. Mm -hmm. When, When Jesus comes, whether it is with consolation or with something that convicts us or challenges us or a difficulty that we need to grow through, when Jesus is present in a situation, some people are going to see him before yeah. others, and it might not be us, right? Right. And someone might say, you know what? I just really feel the Lord's presence in this. And our first reaction can be like, that was a weird way to word things. Like, who actually <laughs> talks that way? Yeah. Or it can be like, you do? Where? Mm-hmm. Show me. Mm-hmm. I want to see him. Mm-hmm. And jump in the water. I, I'm thinking of... um one year I was on a, I was on my annual retreat and I had a sister who was directing me and I went in for one of my direction sessions and I just was like, I got nothing, like nothing's mm-hmm. coming in prayer at all. And, and she's like, well, how, how have you been spending your time? And I was like, well, honestly, I've been going for a lot of walks. I've been, you know, I try to pray, but nothing really happens. But this song has just been stuck in my head. And, and she was like, oh, what are the words? So I, I, told her some of the lyrics of the song and she just kind of sat back with this big grin on her face and she was like that's so Jesus that is so Jesus yeah and I was like wait what <laughs> what do you mean and and she was of course she was right mm-hmm. but it was it was it was so Jesus but I didn't know that side of him yet. right yeah but he was wanting me to get to know that side of him but I needed somebody to tell me it was him mm-hmm And not to be ashamed of that, Mm -hmm. because all of us at some point are going to be called to be John for another person. Yeah. And that means we are also called to accept John Mm -hmm. for ourselves when someone else is our John. And it reminds me a little bit, too, of the road to Emmaus, like the two disciples (laughs) on the road to Emmaus had lived and walked and broken bread and everything with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Meet him on the road. Zero recognition. Zero recognition he's talking to them they are talking back to him (laughs) yep zero recognition but it's so interesting because i don't have the story in front of me but jesus like goes like he basically pretends he's gonna keep going on the road knowing that they'll invite him and they do they invite him and i think this is an important part Mm -hmm. we need to be looking we need to be open right we need to invite the lord into our hearts they invite him to stay with them not even realizing that he's the lord but Clearly, there's something about him they like. There's something about him that they like. And there's two stages to their recognition of him, even though we kind of focus on one. 
the mm-hmm. first, he breaks open the scriptures for them. Yeah. And we find out later at the end of the story that their hearts were on fire that whole time. Mm-hmm. Like he was just making them realize things that they had never seen before. There was all of this revelation happening, but they still didn't recognize him. They get to the inn. In the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened and they were like, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. And he disappears. Yeah. And it's one of those moments where, and then they look back and they're like, we're not our hearts burning within us. We should have realized. It's yeah. like one of those, it's I should hindsight. have realized You recognize moments. it in hindsight, yeah. Exactly. And that's okay. He made sure that they got there. But I think that's such a powerful example for us to A, of the cycle of these things in our lives. Mm-hmm. B, of the faithfulness of God is like he didn't actually leave until mm-hmm. they recognized, like he waited mm-hmm. until they knew. Mm-hmm. And and C, like in, in the opening of the scriptures and the breaking of the bread, if you are in a place where you're very difficult or where you're finding you're very difficult. <laughs> I am very difficult. <laughs> I meant <laughs> where you're finding it very difficult. Um, to recognize Jesus, go to the scripture, mm-hmm. go to mass, mm-hmm. participate in the breaking of the bread and receive him in both of those ways. And maybe it won't be the first time that you couple those things together that you'll see him. Yeah. But he's there and he will make sure, he'll find the way to make sure that you see him either on your own or that he finds the right person to point him out to you. Yeah. And lest we neglect chapter 13, <laughs> just re- realizing that that is mutual. Yep. That he makes himself present to us. We also have to make ourselves present to him. Yes. And Martinez is pointing out at the Last Supper when Jesus is praying to the Father, he has that, that high priestly prayer to the Father and um, and the apostles are kind of witness to it. And it it's a prayer to the Father, but it almost becomes like a sermon mm-hmm. to to the apostles. And and Jesus says to the Father, all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Mm-hmm. And Paul will kind of like reiterate this later when he he will say, Everything is ours, and we are Christ's, and Christ belongs to the Father. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's everything. Yes. And we are in him and he is in us. And just because I can't seem to go a single episode without bringing in the Song of Songs once again, <laughs> I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Yeah. That's the refrain. Sometimes one goes first and sometimes the other goes first, but that relationship is always there. Always there. Yeah. Yeah. It's in chapter 13 that um, he talks about how God gives us his heart in exchange mm-hmm. for ours. And he doesn't yank our hearts out, out no. for himself to put ours or his and ours. Actually, it is that part's up to us to allow him in to take our heart. And he actually, Martinez refers to this type of love as a passive love. He says the mystics call this love produced by the special movement of the spirit passive love and he actually specifies because when i hear that i'm like i just sit there and don't do anything right Uh, time for the armchair right Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but he says it is not called passive because the soul does not move right for indeed the soul is never so active as then it is called passive because the soul does not move itself Mm -hmm. The the holy spirit moves it and it works under his divine impulse the act 
of passive love, I love how he specifies it's an action, belongs to the Holy Spirit and the soul, but more to the Holy Spirit than to the soul. Therefore, it can truly be said that the Holy Spirit loves in the soul and that the soul loves with the Holy Spirit, especially when this passive love has reached its perfection. Mm-hmm. And I love that because even if we just talk about physics, yeah, in order for things to be in motion, something had to start moving. Right. Make the things move. Right. Like I could be on an airplane and I am moving, mm-hmm. but I'm also passive. Right. But I am still traveling. That doesn't mm-hmm. make it not traveling. Mm-hmm. Right. So when he says it is not called passive because the soul does not move, for indeed the soul is never so active as then I am in fact hurtling at many miles per hour <laughs> through the air. It is called passive because the soul does not move itself. Right. And no one shoved you onto that airplane. You chose to board mm-hmm. the airplane. Yeah. Usually. (laughs) Well, hopefully. (laughs) I have yet to have that experience. The Holy Spirit moves it and it works under his divine impulse. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the same concept, right? Like I I actively put myself under his inspiration, under his movement, under his um, influence, and then he does the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the recognition of that balance between our own um the importance of our own free will and how really choosing something is an action right that that is up to us but also understanding that the grace the impetus the inspiration to do anything good mm-hmm. especially love mm-hmm. comes from he who is good yeah. who is love and i think it's really important in this chapter how um, martinez uses this metaphor that we see in a lot of old spiritual classics a lot of old prayers that to me was always a very difficult metaphor to kind of understand he's talking about being consumed and he's t- using like it like a fire right mm-hmm. consumed um in love and i never liked that metaphor before because to me being consumed meant yeah sure i'm i am wood i allow the fire to go all the way through me and then I become ash. <laughs> I am no longer wood. <laughs> and that was something, even when I felt called to religious life for the first time, I would never have worded it that way at the time. But actually, looking back, that is kind of what I was afraid of. I was afraid that if I entered religious life, I would somehow lose myself to some mold that I would, would have to become. Mm. And <laughs> I... I Sorry, I'm laughing because we have no cookie cutter sisters. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> no, we really don't. Mm. But there was that kind of perception if, if I become too holy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I won't be me. Yeah. I won't be able to interact with the people I love. Like, I won't. There was that fear in me. And it was really unfounded. It comes from a place of brokenness and misunderstanding or from yeah. scandal that we see or whatever. But, But then I kind of realized that Looking at this metaphor, the one time in all of scripture we see God start a fire, Mm -hmm. well, that's not true. He started other fires. The one time we see him start a fire in order to speak and be with us was to Moses in the burning bush, and the fire did not consume the bush. In other words, well, it it consumed the bush in the sense that it was all the way through it, Mm -hmm. which is why we use the metaphor of consuming. But it it did not burn the bush. Mm -hmm. We call it the burning bush because the fire was burning, but the wood itself remained intact. Yeah. Yet God was alive and speaking there. Yeah. And I think that's really important for us to remember that when when we experience this like 
total consumption or consummation or whatever you want to use with the Lord, we don't disappear. Right. And even, so there's, there's a few different ways to think about that, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. um, because on the other hand, you are right. We do not disappear. We are changed. We yes, are, yes. you know, all these other things. But then there's also the analogy that I actually really do love mm. of being consumed for the Lord. Like there's um, the idea of the sanctuary lamp, the candle that burns next to the tabernacle. Yeah. Right. And it is consumed in the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. It shows to others. It communicates that Jesus is here in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. But then also I think in a, it's a very similar image is uh, the woman who anoints Jesus with the oil. Mm-hmm. Right. And she breaks open the jar and spills out all the oil. Oh, and everyone's like, that could have, <laughs> that was a lot of oil. <laughs> everyone's <laughs> like, that was a lot of money. Yeah. That was a and, lot of oil. You only needed she, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she just lavishly pours it all out on Jesus. Yeah. And it is gone. Yep. And to some people's minds, it is wasted. Mm-hmm. And I think. Perhaps particularly in the religious life, but I think in the life of any Christian, Mm -hmm. there is this element of, have you wasted it? Like this question or this, um, this sense of like, what was it all for? Couldn't you have done just a little bit and Mm -hmm. saved some for later? Mm -hmm. And the answer really is no, because who is it for and who is it being poured out for? Right. And so that lavishness and that generosity leads to this kind of changing of, um, you know, the candle becomes, instead of just like a pillar of wax, now all of a sudden it's heat and light and a communication. Yeah. Um, And the heat and light may feel very passing, Mm -hmm. but in the spiritual reality, it's not. It's very much an ongoing thing. And efficacious. Yeah. And its effects are also bigger than it itself could ever be. Mm-hmm. Like if I am being made aware of the love of God by something and then I'm able to pass that on even further, like that's exponential. Right. It just continues to go and go and go. And like the Lord can work through that and really, to, to use a cliche, like in really <laughs> mysterious ways. Yes. He really can. It's true. And it is not a waste. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it not painful sometimes right and that doesn't make it not difficult and it doesn't make it not challenging Mm -hmm. but it's not a waste it's actually exactly what it was meant for yeah and i think that's kind of the height of mutual possession right Mm -hmm. that we are the holy spirits and we are gods and that's why all of that is possible and he is ours and that's mm-hmm. why all of that is possible. Yeah. Yeah. He wraps up this whole section with um, this image of a divine ring. Like, I'm, I'm, I think he means something like a loop, like a, mm, yes. like a cyclical sort of image, which as it grows greater, as it becomes perfect, it unifies, simplifies, and deifies the soul. Mm-hmm. For all these ineffable things, love, simplicity, and unity are reflections of God who is unutterable unity, infinite simplicity, and eternal charity. Mm -hmm. And that's like what 
that's the whirlpool that we're being invited into. <laughs> okay, so we've been talking about in this this whole portion the importance and the necessity of mutual possession, right? Mm-hmm. And how essential to that is the ability to recognize and understand his voice in us and in order to do that to kind of detach from things that are distracting to us especially things that are pulling us down to kind of like shove our face into the ground right to Mm -hmm. to stay at a sensual level and not go to the spiritual or scoff at the spiritual so i feel like a potential challenge could also be to kind of look at your own life and what is that that sensual or that just like that earthly thing that you really get caught up in to the point where if God were to break through, if God were to say a word to you, if God were to to show up in an unexpected an unexpected way, you'd be like, that was weird. <laughs> what is your that was weird moment? Maybe you already had it this week. To really be able to sit down, examine yourself, examine your own dispositions, and find that weak spot for yourself mm-hmm. so that you really can offer it to the Lord of like, hey, I am purposefully, or at least now consciously, because I looked at myself, not really leaving you room here to act in a spiritual way and invite the Lord into it. And if remaining aware of that offering means you need something physical with you to remind you, maybe you want to carry sacrifice beads in your pocket. Maybe you want to put a a ring on your finger. Maybe you want to put a Holy Spirit necklace on. I don't know. Like if you need to find something physical, Put Mm -hmm. a painting on your wall. Mm -hmm. Find a physical thing to help you remember that you have and are offering that space to God. Mm. I love that. And I'm also just thinking like in regard to the other direction, Mm -hmm. like offering it to God, but then also like in regard to the idea of kind of looking outward as well. Yes. I'm thinking about, you know, we referred to that we often get the question from people how do I know it's my voice and not, or God's voice and not my voice? Oh, yeah. One of our most common questions. Yeah. And we did talk about that actually in um, last season, mm-hmm. the introductory episode to the season when we talked about how to do Lexio Divina. Right. We did share a little bit about our own experience of what hearing God's voice was like. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't heard that or if it's been a while since you've heard it, maybe it would be worth a re-listen. Uh, maybe not. Maybe that's fine. But my invitation would be spend some time both kind of reflecting and maybe kind of retrospective, looking back on ways that you've seen or heard God working in your life. And maybe just jot down a few notes of like, if somebody were to ask you that question, what does God's voice sound like? How Mm -hmm. do I know it's him and not me? Mm -hmm. How would you answer that? And maybe just spend some time kind of like inviting the Lord to help you to put that into words, both so that maybe when somebody asks you, you could have an answer, but then also just for your own clarity so that when you when you do feel like he's gone or when he's missing or or when you think you're hearing him, you have something to kind of go back to to confirm it or to like hold it up against. Mm. Yeah. So we will be keeping especially this challenge in our prayers for you because mm-hmm. um, we know it can be tricky, but it's very fruitful. Mm-hmm. And we will be holding that as our special intention as we close with our chaplet to the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For the gift of wisdom. 
Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of knowledge. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of counsel. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of fear of the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of understanding. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of piety. 
Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. And for the gift of fortitude. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. By myself, I can do nothing, but with God I can do all things. For the love of God I want to do all things. To him honor and glory, to me the eternal reward. Holy Spirit, vivify me. Love of God, consume me. The way of truth, lead me. With your grace, empower me. You are the promised one sent by the Father, reminding us of all that Jesus' Master taught. I ask you for no other knowledge, no other wisdom, than that of Christ crucified, and that he may live in me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Dare to Dwell is a production of the Daughters of St. Paul and is brought to you by our generous supporters on Patreon. For more information about our sisters or ministry, or to learn about how you can support us, visit connect.pauline.org Patreon. God bless you.